Welcome to the next podcast from millinery.info. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is with Tracy Chaplin. Tracy is currently launching her new look workshop space in France. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for this podcast, Louise McDonald Milliner and The Essential Hat. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for having me here today, Tracy, to talk about hats. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Nice to have you here. <laughs> so I thought we'd start off with first, hopefully an easy question. <laughs> How did you first become interested in millinery? Well, it's interesting because I think you need to know a little bit about my background. Mm. So I went to the Royal Ballet School and then I studied fine art and textiles and I did a part-time course at St Martin's and I finished my, um, I graduated and I set up a stall in Camden in the market and at that time Camden was like a real hub for young designers, you know it was a real, there was a real buzz there, it was a very interesting place to be at that time, it's changed a lot since. So I was making clothing and it was, it was screen printed yes. um, clothing and I had like little scraps of material and I thought what can I do with the scraps? It would be a shame just to throw it away, you know, because the whole process is quite intensive when you're printing textiles mm-hmm. and I was screen printing and using a photographic process as well. So I thought well I've got to do something with these little pieces. So I decided to put together a little collection of hats. and. The hats were actually more popular than the clothing was, so I thought, well, I'm onto something here. And so I decided to put together a complete collection. And at that time, um, there was an accessory um, guy just down from me in the market, and um, he was making belts, and we kind of got together. We got together um, as a partnership and a relationship as well. So we were. We were quite inspired by what we were doing and because of his background in um, making accessories, you know, he was introducing me to new materials and we started being a bit uh, sort of weird and wacky and we started making hats with um, rubber floor matting and um, rubberized materials and, you know, not having any training, we were completely experimental with the way that we were working and we got quite a big following in in Camden in the market you know the people that were buying um, what we were selling were going to clubs and you know they were very out there um, and it was about fashion and making a statement so that's where I started and I can't say I was a milliner I was a hat maker yes so and from there, we, we carried on as a business and we started um, wholesaling. We did all the shows. Yes. We had a, a retail outlet as well as a workroom. So we were able to get feedback from you know, our clients and we had, some, we had some really nice clients. We had people from the theatre. Um, we had some great press because we were near IPC magazines. So we had a lot of lot of coverage Um, and um, we built up a really good business and uh, 
eventually, you know, we had to um, outsource quite a lot of the work because we were doing the shows and we had to respond to the demand. Um, So we went to Luton and we had blocks designed that were then produced. Um, So that's that's really where I started. That's good. Um, Yeah. And from working with those more abstract materials, when did you start to move? At the moment you're working with more felts and cinemas, how did you start to move towards those and what was that transition like? Um, well, that probably leads on from the next question. Yes. Because, uh... <laughs> what was my next question? <laughs> was that my um, Because when um, we, we got to a point in our business where we, we separated yes. and we closed our shop, and so I took a complete break and I retrained in alternative medicine. So I had a 10-year kind of period where I, I wasn't doing anything to do with hat making. Were you making at all or you just... Um, no, nothing at all. I moved completely away from it. Um, I'd been doing it for 9 or 10 years and... I'd kind of reached that point where I think I just needed to have a change. And it, it was also, you know, because we were in a partnership and I felt like we, I'd finished a cycle, you know, yes. and I was ready to start something new. And then how, how did you come back to the um, Well, in 2000, um, just after I met my husband, Chris, he, he really encouraged me. He, he said, you know, you've got to do something different now because you're at that age where you can't carry on doing what you're doing because it's too physically demanding. Because I was, I was teaching massage, but I also had a good, healthy client base. So, and I was, I, was doing, I was working too hard. And so, I, you know, he sort of moved me in another direction. So I went and I studied um, felt textiles initially. And then from there, I went... Uh, on to study with Rose Corey, the Queen Mother's milliner, who is a royal warrant holder. And uh, amazing, amazing woman, really generous, very, um, a fantastic technician. Um, Really, really quite, it was a very special experience to be able to train with her and also to meet all the students that she... um, you know, was training and had trained because they kept coming back to sort of <laughs> see what was going on and keep up with her and look at, look at the new techniques. And uh, so um, that's when I learned how to be a couture milliner. Yeah. And with um, Rose's classes, I've heard quite a few milliners mention that they've learned from her. How were those structured? Was that a weekly class or you went for blocks of time? It was like a drop-in class. So she was there... Um, three or four days a week I think it was three days a week and you could just go along um, you could bring a project with you, an idea or and she would actually work through it with you um, sometimes you know, you'd be sitting there for a while and waiting but you had to be patient it was a lesson in patience as well going to millinery classes with Rose but I mean she always had a way of um resolving and evolving an idea. Because if you came to her and you said, I'd really like to do this, and she'd look at it and she'd think, that's a bit bonkers, but, you know, <laughs> I'm going to run with it. And um, she, she always was able to help you evolve an idea. It was, 
she was she was quite incredible really and what type of pieces were you making with her when you were learning through that time um when i started with her i think she went through a process you know with beginners because i see myself then as being a complete beginner to couture millinery whereas yes. before i was a a maker a creator a more of a um, hat maker I suppose yes. rather than a, uh, a milliner so she'd always sort of take you through a process so the first thing I learned was how to roll roll cinema edges to yes. perfection and um, so you'd make your cinema leaves and then she'd show you how to construct a fascinator with feathers and she'd show you how to cut the feathers and then put everything together um, so you were learning the process from start to finish. Um, that was that was quite free form actually because when you were rolling the cinema, she was showing you how you could steam it and shape it and sculpt with it in a way, not not in the same way that I I have developed myself. But she was, you know, she was showing you how to roll the cinema, but also how to shape it and manipulate it to create folds and sculptural headwear really so I think that's what took me to that that's what started me off down that road of being a little bit more experimental even though her techniques were very traditional I think I was inspired by the, the cinema techniques that she was teaching yeah and what was the best part of that training period when you were with Rose how long was it um well I couldn't afford to go that often so I would do I would drop in so I'd go maybe once or twice a week um, or you know each month I'd allocate you know maybe two or three days maximum so I could get a project finished because it would take more than one class you know you'd start and then you'd have to wait for someone else to have their turn and so she was constantly sort of helping other people but always you were aware that she was going to come back to you so um, I suppose I went for about two years, two and a half years, just popping in and, you know, if I needed help, I would go back and she would be able to take, you know, help me evolve an idea if I got a bit stuck. Yeah. And were you making for your own clients while you were still in the classes or were you still working um, your mother? Well, well it's quite funny time? because um, initially when I had my studio, I had it in the old gasworks in Battersea. And I was concentrating mainly on felt hats. And um, this guy came in who was a ceramicist. And he said, oh, I really like your hats. You should go and see my friend. I'm sure he'd love them. He's a couture designer. So I thought, well, I'm not sure whether that would be right. But why not give it a go? So I went down to see him. And he lived across the road from oh. our house in, um, in Pimlico. And um, he said, I really like those hats. Why don't you make me half a dozen for my clients? And I did. And he sold them. And then he said to me, um, well, that went well. Let's, let's try um, a summer collection in, in Cinema and Paris Isle. And I thought, OK. And he said, can you do that? And I said, no problem. <laughs> and actually, I thought, how am I going to do that? And... That's when I found Rose initially, and obviously from there I started working with him and developing ideas, but I kept having to go back to Rose <laughs> to make sure, you know, that I was doing it right. Um, but I built up a really nice client base um, 
with, um, with him. And uh, when I moved to France, it was very difficult to maintain that relationship because, as you know, you know, you, it's a very much hands-on, you know, you have to go and see the client, you have to have a fitting, you, you know, you have to have that contact um, to be able to service the client and to make sure that you can show them samples and and try the hat on. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, and when did you move across to France? Um, we moved to France in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And what took you over there? Well, it was interesting because we were looking to find a larger place to live here. And we couldn't really find anything that was suitable. And I had the slightly bonkers idea that maybe we could move to France and have a different life completely. It was something that we had talked about for the future, but we kind of brought that forward. And um, my husband was not happy with the idea in the beginning. <laughs> I think he had a few words to say. <laughs> But he came around the idea, obviously. <laughs> he, he came around um, because it's funny how when you have an idea, sometimes you meet people that are doing something similar. And I had the idea, he started thinking about it, and he met somebody that was actually working remotely. So this is 10 years ago, so working remotely wasn't... It's a complete, it was a different yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, he, um, he spoke to this guy, and this guy said, well, it's easy, you know, you know travel between um, London and France is, is very easy, you know, and manageable. So I started looking. He said, you've got to convince me that it can work. So I was the one that did all the research and, and put everything into place and found somewhere that was um, easy to commute from with regular flights, and, and that's really how... How it started, and um, and um, once we moved and settled in, we haven't looked back. Yeah. And when did your teaching start to happen in the mix of all of this? Um, so we moved in two thousand and eight. I started teaching about five years ago. Yeah. And how has that evolved since you first began? Well, it's changed a lot because um, I started teaching from our kitchen. <laughs> and um, and really, just to see how how whether it would work, you know, I set up a website. I started to get some interest, and then I started to get bookings. And so, my first workshop, I think, was at the end of or the beginning of end of 2013. Um, and it was a small group, and it was in the kitchen, and it worked really well, and I got some great feedback. But when I look back now, you know my workshops have developed and my skill set has developed um, and I think it's um, my, my way of teaching has changed quite a lot um, so, so having started in the kitchen the kitchen became too small um, so I moved upstairs to one of the bedrooms and the bedroom wasn't really big enough, so I started spilling out into the corridor. So I had like ironing stations lined up in the corridor, and all the materials and the work tables in the in the bedroom. And it worked, you know, it worked fine. But um, last year, you know, 
it had become slightly difficult to continue that way. Yes. So um, I spoke to my husband and we talked about it and we decided that we wanted to create a more a wholesome experience for students coming. So yes. it would be more like a residential retreat. So they'd come, they'd learn, but they they would be relaxed, they'd be in a nice environment and you know, with interesting artifacts around, because we went to India and we um, we bought some Indian antiques and bought them back to furnish the house. So um, it's quite an eclectic mix of sort of French furniture, Indian artifacts, and uh, it's 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 turning into a really nice, interesting space for people to come to. So they can yeah. come and stay with you. So yes. Yeah, so basically, they they come. Um, they stay with us as from next year. So the um, the bedrooms will have five bedrooms with ensuite bathrooms. They're nearly finished. The bathrooms are just being finished. Um, they'll be done in well, hopefully in February. So um, the studio is already finished, and we um, we enjoy the use of the studio this year, which was uh, great. Yeah. And how does it differ for you, what you are presenting in your classes versus what you make yourself for your own clients and collections? Um, I think there's a big crossover because my students are coming because they're inspired by my creations and the techniques that I'm using. So they want to learn the freeform cinema and paracisal techniques and more recently working in velour felt and sculpting and manipulating in velour felt. So I think there is a big crossover and I find that I do a lot of design mentoring as well with my students. So you can probably see quite a strong influence in the designs that my students are creating um, because it's, it's something I share and I'm quite happy to share um, with my students. So it's, it's a nice exchange and I think um, it, it's just continuing to evolve and uh, Amazing. and yeah. how has um, your pieces that you're making yourself evolved over the time? I think they've become a lot more um, bold and experimental because I've moved away from um, the classic millinery in that um, you know when I was working in London I was I was making collections for designers, so they had to fit the style of their, their, you know, their collection. So it was, I felt sometimes that I was slightly limited, whereas now I feel I'm doing what I want to do and um, without the limitations. Yeah. And you, are you making for many clients at the moment, or is your focus mostly on your teaching? Um, well, this year it has very much been on the, the workshops. Yeah, because um, the, the renovation work started last April and so we've had a lot, our energy has really been put into the, the project and making sure it's running and, you know, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of, my husband is a surveyor, chartered surveyor, so he's had to do a lot of the um, floor plans and sourcing materials and so um, that has really been the focus for, for the last year. I mean, our, 
obviously I've been doing a lot of teaching and we've had guest tutors coming um, to teach. We had Catherine Ellen, as, as you know, and um, it's, it's been interesting to have tutors come in and teach because I, I learn and pick up new techniques for my own work as well. So uh, that's been inspiring and I've got lots of new ideas for 2019. So and what's I, the studio space like? Oh, well, it's, um, it's quite an incredible space. It's, I've been rather fortunate to be able to start with a, an old barn. The barn was completely gutted, um, so I've taken the upper part of the barn, which has some of the original features like the nice wooden beams and we have a stone wall. We have five big windows looking across the garden, so you've got views across the lovely old columbage buildings in the village and cypress trees. And It's nice to look out to green. What else have I got? I've got um, an old bibliotheque that runs around one corner. It was a bit of a folly. I bought it in a brocante in a market in France. and uh, It's like a cabinet, yes. a glass cabinet, so you can see into the cabinet. Um, which is quite nice because you can see, you know, some of the old hat blocks I've got and some of the old tools and things that students have bought me um, that I put in there. So all the things that I sort of cherish as a sort of an area where, you know, I've got things that I want to see and be inspired by. And then all the materials and feathers and everything else and ideas are stored in a, in a sort of another closed cabinet so they're kept clean and away from dust and stuff, yeah. Do you work with many hat blocks in your work? Well, when I started, I couldn't really afford to invest in hat blocks, and I think that's why I've developed the techniques that I use, because um, it was difficult in the beginning to, to put money into um, hat blocks. Um, as you know, they're very costly. And so it, I think it made me a lot more experimental in the way that I work. But I, yes, I do use hat blocks. I continue to use hat blocks, but I do a lot more freeform sculpting, manipulating. I think I like to be hands-on. I know you are hands-on when you block, but I like, to, I like to feel the material. I like to play and sculpt and, and manipulate and just see what happens. I don't, sometimes I don't necessarily have a clear idea of where I'm going. It's almost like I go into autopilot and, and it just happens, yeah. yeah. What's your favourite millinery tool? My steam iron is really important, my steam iron. I think if I didn't have my steam iron, I wouldn't be able to create the hats that I create. So I would say that was the most important piece of kit. Do you have a particular favourite one? Um, yes. <laughs> The Rowenta steam iron, because um, it has a big reservoir, and um, my students always say that I should have shares in the Rowenta <laughs> steam iron, because I've bought so many and so have they. Um, and what's one of the tips you find yourself sharing with students that help them along the most in their hat making? I think, don't be scared to experiment and explore. Do you create many pieces for competitions? Um, I have created hats every year for the Hat Festival in Corsard, the Estival du Chapeau. 
I'm quite fortunate to have won five prizes. For the last, last year's competition, I, I didn't have the time because I was so busy with workshops and uh, other things that were going on. But um, the year before, I was very chuffed when four of my students won prizes, so that was exciting. And what are you looking forward to most about 2019? Well, I suppose we're, we're, when I say we, I mean, I'm talking about my husband and I because we've cre we're creating something special together. He's involved in the project as well. And so next year, everything will be running as planned and we'll have a retreat that's residential, that has a yoga room, it has a chef, it has a lovely creative environment and we already have bookings so that's what I'm looking forward to. Fantastic, well good luck with the new project and thank you so much for talking cats with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, we hope you enjoyed our talk with Tracy. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for this podcast, The Essential Hat and Louise MacDonald Milliner. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter of this podcast, please check out the link on our website. We invite you to share this podcast with a millinery and hat-loving friend. The idea behind these podcasts is that it keeps you company while you're still stitching away in your workroom. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you another episode soon.